The Denver Broncos have officially been eliminated from the playoffs, so we're going to examine how we got here, what big decisions are coming, and why Broncos fans should have some hope for the future today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dude, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. That's $150, win or lose. So visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. Joe, it's time to break down another season off the rails. And uh, I think this is one that... Um, present some unique challenges given the head coach in his first year and the quarterback in his second year, who's now been benched and uh, uh, the, the start that this team had at zero and three climbing their way back now to eight and eight still weirdly have a, an outside chance at the, had a chance at the postseason until the, the other results in week 17 broke their way. They did their part in one, mm-hmm. um, but this is a bit of a messy situation here for a team that uh, has a lot of investments in a coaching quarterback that very clearly did not mesh. This is going to be a unique conversation because there's some, like you mentioned, some unique challenges. There's some unique good things that are happening as well uh, with the Denver Broncos. But as we consider you know, how we got here, we're not making the playoffs this year. And you mentioned the 0-3 start. I mean, really a 1-5 start. You got into this yeah. huge hole early on in the season, and everything's new, right? Sean Payton's uh, the head coach, a new offense, Vance Joseph taking over the defense, and you had some bad losses along the way. I mean, in that one-and-five start, you lost to the Raiders. You know, that was the first game of the season, you know, with McDaniels and Jimmy G. Uh, The Commanders is a bad loss. The Jets is a bad loss. You had a late-season loss to the Patriots. You had some goofy losses along the way. But I feel like the 2023 Denver Broncos, their season came down to giveaways and takeaways. This team had six games with more than one turnover committed on offense. They were 0-6 in those games, Kyle, when they committed more than one turnover. Uh, On defense, when they had seven games with more than one takeaway, they were 6-1 in those games. And so this was a story of of takeaways and giveaways, and when they came and when they didn't come, that's when the Broncos found their wins and losses. And we're going to get into some conversations about the sustainability of what their – process was for winning games and what Russell Wilson was in that decision. But I think it's an early hole. And then it was just about when the giveaways were coming in hot and when the takeaways were coming in hot. Yeah. And it was a lot of one in the one and five start. And then the next five games that they won in a row, it was a lot of the other, right? Yeah. Like they, they were crushing it five, four, three, three. <laughs> right. You're going to win games like that, right? Right. right. Um, but De- Denver's a team that, Spent a lot of money, too, this offseason. I mean, you, you think about the dollars that they spent on Zach Allen on the defensive line and the dollars that they spent on the offensive line with Mike McGlinchey 
and uh, Ben Powers mm-hmm. as two big, big money contract additions to this group. You probably don't feel too great about being 26th in yards offensively. Uh, you probably don't feel great about averaging 4.1 yards per rush. That's 18th. That's bottom half of the league. You're 29th in rushing touchdowns, so you're not putting the ball in the end zone on the ground. So you're kind of one-dimensional. Oh, granted, Russ, 26 touchdowns in what, 15 starts, I mm-hmm. think was what the math ended up being. So that's helps to soften the blow, and, and that's how you end up 17th in scoring offense at this stage. But I would say even just – I don't want to make the entire conversation here in segment one about Russell Wilson, but there were a lot of areas from an efficiency standpoint where Russell Wilson regressed versus even last year. Like net yards per attempt is less this year than it was last year. And there was this conversation about how Sean Payton had midseason talking about how he fixed Russell Wilson. And I think for for you to talk about, uh, alluding to us talking about the sustainability of how they played games, it was just an unsustainable model because it was, we're going to send a lot of vertical routes down the field. And if our first read's not there, then we're just going to scramble around the backfield and then dump it off to the back underneath. And he's going to get us a first down because everybody's sinking with everything that we're throwing down the field, but also get sacked 10% of the time, right? <laughs> Along yeah. the way. Right. So that, that had to kill the yards per attempt. I mean, his yardage loss for sacks had to be amongst the highest in the NFL, but yeah, that high variance script of play was not very strong as Kyle calls the timeout. Take a timeout. Um, so Russell Wilson's been in the league 12 years, right? Mm-hmm. Before he got to Denver, he had never had a season with net yards per attempt under six. And he only had two seasons with a net yards per attempt under 6.45. And that was uh, 2017. He was 6.14. And then, I'm sorry, only one season under 6.45. And he has 6.46 in 2020 was his next lowest in 10 years in Seattle. His net yards per attempt in 2022 is 5.87. And his net yards per attempt in 2023 is 5.72. So stratospheres and lows for a 12-year sample size that he had not reached in a decade. It was just, well, your touchdown percentage went from 6.3% to 5.8%. So Russell Wilson, part of the equation here, um, I yes. think in in why they couldn't be more consistent on offense, just based on the way that he played. Like you mentioned, Kyle, this team's not good enough on defense. Twenty sixth in scoring, thirtieth in yards, uh, and then offensively, they they weren't good enough either. Um, and I look at kind of the run defense and the rush offense as well as is worthwhile talking points. Uh, Javante Williams coming back from the ACL tear. I thought he had his moments, but for the most part, what he averaged, 3.7 yards per carry yeah. on the season, which is, again, grace for coming off of the ACL, but his yards after contact wasn't like it was in his rookie season or, of course, what we grew to love at North Carolina. And I, I think you especially don't love that when you consider what is invested in this offensive line where three handsomely paid veterans and and maybe your two, two of your better players are on the rookie deals and minors and Cushenberry. And right. so I feel like you – like you sure you certainly had the construction of the offensive line you wanted to have for this. Um, and so I think you can get disappointed in the rushing output and the sacks, although I put so many of those sacks right back on Russell Wilson, but also 
defensively stopping the run was problematic all year. I know that that's exacerbated by the the Dolphins have, having 350 against them, but I thought that run defense was leaky all season long. Um, and, you know, I, for as much as this 2023 NFL is about throwing the ball, stopping the pass, you still got to run it. You still got to stop the run. And I don't think Denver was good enough in that capacity. Joe, also like to talk about, and, and some of this, again, talking about offensive issues, um, some of this boils back to the quarterback too, but just looking at, at the distribution and impact from the skill players in the passing game. Have you seen the numbers? I'm, I'm quite familiar. feels okay. like there's a couple well, guys that deserve some more touches, but well, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's also disheartening that Jerry Judy had the regression that he had from last year, where it looked like maybe there was a chance for him to turn the corner where he pushed for a thousand yards and had six touchdowns. Yeah. Well, he, He's at two-thirds of his receiving yardage production from last year, and he has one touchdown this season, right? So that in itself is a flag. He has 51 receptions. If you look at who has receptions in this offense, Cortland Sutton, 58, Jerry Judy, 51. Samaje P. Ryan is third on the team with 47, a running back. Javante Williams is fourth on the team, a running back with 40. Jaleel McLaughlin, a running back, is fifth on the team in targets with 31. Adam Troutman, tight end. Sixth on the team with 21. You have to get all the way down to the seventh most receptions for the third wide receiver on the team, and that's Marvin Mims, who generally felt like he was underutilized all season. Yeah, yeah. I think you look at Mims and McLaughlin as two guys that gave you some more explosive elements and feel like maybe some more opportunity should have went their way. Um, not to mention, of course, Tim Patrick with another big season-ending injury. Greg Dulcich. Uh, just you know, played two games. Man, we were we were so excited about him coming out of the mm-hmm. summer. So um, yeah, I think that needs to look different. And I think that's I think that's a, those are Russell Wilson numbers. It just and I and the difference is Seattle was keenly aware of the limitations of Russell Wilson through years and years of dealing with him. And now back to back years, different offensive coordinators in Denver, it, it takes time to figure out how to manage around those limitations that that just they exist. So all right. We talked about how we got here, and next we're going to talk about the big decisions that are coming, and there are a lot, as this team is not in a good cap position, has a number of contracts that they need to consider, not to mention a quarterback. Uh, So a lot to get to here. Stick with us. But the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150. If your bonus bet goes through, win or lose, the app is super easy to use. There's a ton of different things that you can bet on, including live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So key decisions uh, for the Broncos – let's start with expiring contracts because I think that's a pretty, at least in my mind, it's a pretty cut and dry conversation we had. One big one. And that one big one is Lloyd Cushenberry. Yes, 26-year-old stud center. Sign him back. Uh, Josie Jewell, I think, would be worthy of a new contract with the team. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's he's played productive football. Uh, Graham Glasgow, as a name, kind of early thirties into your offensive lineman pass pass. That's kind of, it's, that's a toxic range for, 
free agent offensive lineman, right? Like they, that's when you really start to get high variance on if their bodies are going to break down or not. Uh, I would probably bring back uh, Fabian Moreau seems to have brought some quality reps to the secondary. Yeah, they replaced Damari Mathis with Moreau, and their defense got a lot better. So yeah. modest return type deal, but I think he should be back. That's it. Then dude. a lot of these other expiring <laughs> contracts are early 30s. Yeah, who cares? Rotation guys at best. So, Josie Jewell, Fabian Moreau, Lloyd Cushenberry, if it were me, what would you do with Adam Troutman? I'm, I find myself pretty unconconcerned there. I feel like his most value is to Sean Payton, right? Like, teams haven't been lining up to get Adam Troutman as he's right, been so available. You probably sign him, but it's, yeah. it's a modest market. Yeah, I'm not a couple million dollars per, per season. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Everything else that they do is going to be a lot more complicated because everything else that they do is with the assumption that Russell Wilson's not going to be on this roster. Yeah. And that's and not the, a very friendly decision to make for the team. No. And they're minus, minus $17 million in cap space entering the offseason, 28th in the NFL. So we've got to create cap space to operate here. And we'll get to the restructures, Kyle. But I think there's two contracts that – Something has to happen with. There's no way that you can go into this season with the cap position that you're in, and whether it's Garrett Bowles or Justin Simmons, you have to look at these two deals. Uh, with Garrett Bowles, it's a, a $20 million cap hit next year, and they're in great position with it because they could, and I don't, I'm not advocating for this, they could cut him and save $16 million in cap with $4 million only in dead cap. Dead I think cap. that's an extension candidate, right? Like, Extend him out. You have a ton of flexibility with the 2024 cap hit. So that's going to be a big ticket opportunity to create cap space. I think the same thing with Justin Simmons, where he's got an $18.5 million cap hit. They could cut him, not suggesting they do, and free up $14.5 million with less than $4 million in dead cap. So I think those two players, when you're talking about how we're getting out of the cap hole, I think I look at those two contracts and I get an extension done to spread out some of that 2024 cap, which is very, very manageable based on where they're at uh, with the structure of the contract. I I hate to bring this up too, but uh, the Tim Patrick contract is another one that he's on the books for si- over $16 million in cap hit. You can move on and save $10 million. Got to do it. He's been hurt the last two years. Yeah. Like season enders the last two yeah, years. Significant, yeah. So I I think that's the right dominoes to invoke and that they can restructure a couple of their big free agent signings. They can restructure uh, Zach Allen and save just over seven. They can restructure Mike McGlinchey and save almost 10 and a half. They can restructure Ben Powers and save seven and a quarter. So you they can to. open this up quite a bit. Yeah. And if you moved on from Tim Patrick and hypothetically Garrett Bowles, it puts you in a position to post June 1st, Russell Wilson and be able to field the vast majority of the rest of the team. The challenge with doing the post June first cut is you have to have the space available to accommodate the entire cap until June 1st. Yeah. So like there's still going to be an urgency here to do a lot of this reshuffling just because I I think the total dead cap for Russell Wilson's 85 million. Yeah. That they're going to split over two seasons. 
they, they made a choice here, and I, I don't think it's it was the wrong choice to trade for him and give up what they did. Okay, we will not make that look good. But I give them credit for not clinging to mistakes because I don't like the trajectory with Russell Wilson. I think taking the opportunity to to get new at quarterback is the right move. Uh, but it does complicate their cap and whatever. That's just the, that's the situation that they're in. But they got to pull these levers. Uh, you mentioned cutting Garrett Bowles. I, I would extend him instead of cut him to spread out the cap. But they can get to where they need to from a cap position here. But like the other big decision here is, I think they have some extensions that they need to look at for young players and Quinn Miners and Patrick Sertain. Uh, Sertain, uh, fifth year option, fifteen point eight million dollars. I've seen enough, right? Like. Extend right. him out uh, and never have that as your cap hit for a season. In addition to Quinn Miners, I've seen enough there where I'd want to get him extended as well. So th- those are other areas where I look at for getting the cap space. But like for as much as we've talked about these big decisions with big contracts, uh, restructures, extensions, all of that, the biggest thing they got to figure out is their quarterback. And right now they're entering the draft with the 14th pick. And – this is going to be a fascinating dynamic where I feel like the top of this quarterback class is really it's it's Caleb Williams, it's Drake May, the JT Daniels, and then there's this group of quarterbacks like Bo Nix or Cam Ward, um, Michael Penix that have kind of that next tier buzz. I wonder how interested Denver's going to be in one of those types of players, or is there some veteran out there that they're going to want to bring in? Like, I who knows whether that's an Andy Dalton type player or uh Tarod Taylor, like just somebody like that to, as a bridge quarterback. They have to figure out their plan at quarterback Jared and Stidham, they're not maybe. sitting there with the top pick. Come on. It can't be Jared Stidham, right? Well, maybe it is. I don't know. From man. a financials perspective, he's on the book for 7 million. That's it's 35 is going to be on the books for yeah. Russell. Regardless, it's a $42 million quarterback room. Brother, that's tough, man. That's a tough sell. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Wow. Let's be honest. You got to do something else too, man. Sure, Stidham can be part of your mix, but you got to do something else. And this is probably going to be an ugly situation next year where it's Stidham, maybe a young player, maybe another vet, where you feel like it's – is anybody going to really cling to that and and tell you that they're the the deserving guy? No. You're probably going to enter another season with quarterback – I, I don't envision them answering their quarterback question this this offseason. That's tough, man. That's tough. I mean, you're. It, it, I guess they're going to have to be patient here because if if they don't find an answer at quarterback, I'm expecting a very mediocre football team. And it's been a while. I mean, let's been a minute here for Denver, right? Like one of the yep. most proud franchises in the NFL that's been historically really, really good. We're we're pro- like pushing a decade here of just like not being able to figure things out. Well, I think that's why this weekend's game, even though it's no playoff implications, is kind of important for Denver. Sean Payton in year one, they're eight and eight. They have an opportunity to have a winning season, which they have not had since 2016. They went nine and seven. The year after they won the Super Bowl. Man, they so, won that Super Bowl and crashed. Yep, because Peyton Manning was on his last legs, but Peyton Manning came. They played in two Super Bowls in three years. Yeah. I don't think any Broncos fan would give it back, but no, yeah. now you're far enough detached from it where it's like, okay, we can't hang our hat on that anymore. I can only reminisce about that so long. It's time to get this turned around. So I, I think the fact that 
there's been the life that's been breathed into Denver from a record perspective for Sean Payton and from a, a scoring perspective. You know, they were 32nd in the league last year in scoring offense. They're 17th this year. That's it's improvement. There's some improvements, but this Russell Wilson decision to pivot and have nothing for him is going to cost you a lot of your opportunity to expedite answering the question unless somebody falls to you at 14. Because, like, look, let, let's be honest, they, they don't have a two this year either. Right. So they have a one, they have the Saints three, Miami's four, the Jets five, their own five, and then a seven, as things currently stand. Well, we'll try to make this conversation more positive here in the next segment, which will be the Levy Grail component of it. So be sure to stick with us. But, folks, you got to check out Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest, most exciting, most fun, easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. The format is incredible. I'd love it. It's just you against numbers. It's not you against thousands of other players, including pros and including sharks. It's just you against numbers. Here's what you do you select two or more players, you pick more or less on their projected stats and you place your entry. That's it. It doesn't take long. You can make an entry in under a minute, and then when you win, the withdrawals are super, super quick. So check it out. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I got you. All right. We'll do a fight all my men. I'm hurt, but I'm not slaying. I'll lay me down and bleed a while and rise and fight again. Right. It's bingo. Uh, Le- Levy Grail, the poem Marv Levy gave to the bills after they lost the Super Bowl. Uh, it's your rallying cry to get up and we're going to try again. Right. And if you need reasons to be optimistic, I have a reason for Broncos fans to be optimistic. Okay. We're talking about signing Lloyd Cushberry and it's an interior offensive line spot, right? Shouldn't be overly financially detrimental to do this group is going to finish this season up front with four guys that took over a thousand snaps together in year one of a new offensive system next year's year two hopefully Javante Williams gets a a year fully recovered from the injury finds some of his explosiveness back but Garrett Bowles has taken a hundred percent of the snaps Louis Cushenberry has missed three snaps this season Ben Powers has missed five snaps this season. Quinn Miners has taken 97% of the snaps. He will go over 1,000 if he plays the whole game against the Raiders. And Mike McGlinchey needs 54 snaps to go over 1,000 for the season as well. We've gone through some teams on this list that have 18 different right guards in a season. Right, right, right. At the very least, from a foundational year, you got something to hold on to and say, that unit's going to be really good next year because they played together all year. They got the reps. They understand the scheme. Now let's take the year two jump. Yeah, it's funny. It feels like NFL teams that we've studied so far have either had wonderful continuity with the offensive line or yeah. everybody's hurt all the time. Like it can never be the middle ground. And, and Denver's been a team fortunate uh, to have their guys for, you know, really what they wanted this season. I think it's a great place to start the conversation um, with, with Denver. And, you know, they do need the quarterback, but whether it is the offensive line or you look at some of the skill players, you feel pretty decent about it, right? Greg Dulcich coming back, a bright young tight end. Yep. Marvin Mims looks like a nice player. 
Cortland Sutton is still a very opportunistic playmaker down the field. Um, you got this Jaleel McLaughlin that's been a, a spark plug for your offense. They got some talent, right? And and they can kind of fill in the blanks and improve. Obviously, the quarterback's the most important piece, but structurally, it feels like they're they're pretty close to having everything that they need to usher in that next quarterback. And and oh, by the way, you have Sean Payton, right? I feel like that's a a, a point of optimism for Denver as they've navigated a rough stretch of of head coaches. Um, it feels like they got one and. I don't know that you know Frank Frank Clark and Randy Gregory might not have some many kind things to say about Sean Payton, but I think his resume kind of speaks for itself, and uh, I think the 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 year the turnaround year over year it, it, the growth is obvious, and that should make you quite happy if you're a Broncos fan. How about the stable of young pass rushers too? Oh yeah, I mean these young twitchy Bonito Cooper. Um, Baron Browning. Baron Browning, who's been banged up and missed a lot of time. He's only played about 400 snaps this season. But when uh, he's out Drew, there. Drew Sanders as a, a hybrid-type player who I think has some appeal to potentially be a part of that group as well. It's it's an exciting young group that's had a lot of flashes. Super super fired up for Jonathan Cooper. I liked him yeah, a lot. He's, out of state. he's been a good player. Um, they, they very clearly have hit on a type with these edge guys over the last couple of years and it's, it's paying off dividends. And I think when you take that and you foil that with uh, assuming DJ Jones, who I believe is in the last year of his contract and, and Zach Allen, those guys continue to be here. They are going to have a, a good, really good idea of who they are up front and what they need up front uh, to kind of stabilize the defensive performance. I think the back end needs some work. But even on the back end, they, Jaquan McMillan's been a nice find for them too. So they got some young players. I think the front's a great place to start. Maybe you'd, you'd like, whether it's Drew Sanders or somebody else, a little bit more of a dynamic player in one of those two linebacker spots between Jewel and, and Alex Singleton. Maybe Sanders is a facilitator for you to not bring back Jewel. I don't know. But I feel like the front seven's pr- pretty solid for Denver uh, now that they, they kind of – work through that first month and a half of the season issues, just kind of getting on board with whatever, what, with what everybody was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I, I think there are, is room for improvement in that secondary, but Patrick Sertain, Justin Simmons, you mentioned Jaquan McMillan, um, get another safety in another corner and let's go. You right. know, like, I, I think you're going to be okay here. Um, I, I'm guessing the landscape in the AFC West probably gives, Denver fans some hope. Um, the Chiefs are not a juggernaut right now, and, and maybe they can get some offensive weapons, and they have plenty of resources to do so. That could change things. But, like, the Chargers are resetting at uh, head coach and GM, uh, the Raiders as well. So, like, it's it feels like a big climb uh, to, to get up to where Kansas City's been. But the way that we feel about this division today, to me, is a lot different than it was maybe entering the season and maybe that gap isn't quite the chasm that we maybe thought it would be for a long time. Yeah. I think there's there's certainly um ahead of the curve with the teams that are not named Kansas City. Yeah. And I think Kansas City's regressions right now um even if they they get the wide receivers which I think they'll they'll probably swing pretty hard at what is what is Travis Kelsey moving forward? Right, like there's answers or questions with big time answers that need to be found for Kansas City. 
that it doesn't feel like that team that's going to just be a lock for 14 wins. And maybe they'll get there, but I think there's a lot that has to change. It's going to have to look different. And Denver played them really well both games this year. Beat them once and took them to the brink the other time, right? At least defensively they played really good, yeah. And that's their first win over Denver since 2015? One, two, three, four. Yeah, I, it was I, like no, uh, a million in a row. 15 games, 15 games, I think. Ton. So that feels good, right? Like, and your last three have all been either a win or pretty narrow losses against them. So maybe you're doing okay. And, and you got this ownership, right? It feels like feels like you're not really going to be restricted by ownership, right? They're going to spend, they're going to do what's necessary to fund this football operation to give them a chance. And I yeah. think that's a good place to be. And it doesn't yeah. feel like they're getting in the way either, right? Like they've I feel like the leash has been pretty long on George Payton, who's got, I mean, let's share some big hits and, and some massive misses, but I don't I don't know that he's not going to be back or whatnot. So it feels like there's some some loyalty and some money behind uh, what's running this Denver Broncos operation. It's a good good pair of adjectives for an ownership group, right? As far as forgetting the football operations, having the chance to give it a chance to have success. Yeah. That is going to do it for us here on this episode of Locked on NFL Scouting. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We appreciate you guys checking out the show. Make it a great rest of your day, and we will be back again tomorrow.